Welcome to Crafted with Cradle, a curated conversation over cocktails with Charlotte's Best. This is Jermaine Johnson with No Grease, and you're listening to Crafted with Cradle. Welcome to another installment of Crafted with Cradle. I am your host, Dr. Keith Cradle. And as always, you're listening to the podcast that does curated conversations over cocktails with some of Charlotte's finest. Um, As always, before I get started, I got to give a huge thank you to my man, Jason Jett, who does our theme music. You can look him up, jasonjettmusic.com. And always to our sponsors, Sweet 929 and JSW Media. Today, I've got a very special guest, a good friend of mine, the homie. Um, We're going to talk about a few things more in particular, opera, Jordans, and Burt Reynolds. Um, if we can drop some of those clues, you might know who she is. But if you don't, give a warm, crafted with cradle welcome to my girl, Megan Miller. What's going on? That is the dopest entrance. I would like that every time I come on to anybody's podcast. Well, we'll get a tape for you. Send it on over. Just Great. make sure they cut the check. Yep. And this uh, this episode, we'll just call it Mocktails with Megan instead of Crafted with Cradle. We're going to do good. that. You're cheating a little bit today. Little, yes, I am. Tell them why. Uh, I am lenting uh, for the season of Advent. I have given up my hardest challenge is alcohol. Uh, so we're giving it up. Most people popular to contrary to popular belief. I, can, I can't do it, but I am so far on day six. So but six this days. Is, this is a drinking show. And I think your husband actually reminded you. So tell shout out to Brent. <laughs> He's got a great memory. Yes, I had already sent over my request to you about what I was going to be uh, drinking tonight. And then I told Brent quickly what those drinks were going to be. And then he quickly reminded me that I had given it up. So. My, my advice to Brent was uh, to not remind you of things like this before yes. things like this. Yeah, it'd be better post like, oh, you messed up. Okay. Ask for forgiveness, not for permission. So either way, what? so as we like to start, what is your favorite? What's your go-to cocktail? Go-to cocktail right now with the weather would probably be a good dirty martini with uh, blue cheese stuffed olives. Shaken, um, stirred. You know, there's some really good bartenders out there that know how to stir, um, but I do prefer mine shaken. Okay. So what are some of the favorite places you like to go and buy when you're not lenting? When I'm not lenting, yes. Uh, my favorite places have got to be um, pretty much anywhere where Larry Suggs is bartending, um, but I love Punch Room. Uh, Zeppelin's is their... Their craft cocktails have been off the charts lately. Um, and then I do like a good hole in the wall. Anywhere that, you know, nobody knows who I am is always great to enjoy a beverage. So did you did you start out like most folk with, with cheap liquor, bottom shelf, or were you always a top shelf girl? Because I, I can tell, you know, you, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did start with top shelf solely because I worked at a country club. So mm. whatever I could smuggle in the back quickly uh, while being under, you know, under radar. Uh, as per se, but I did do my share of Bud Lights. Uh, I've also done my share of, uh, well, no, we did Goldschlager mm-hmm. in, Which in is, the high school that days. Because it had gold. gold. It had gold. All nasty. the girls were like, oh, we drinking it's gold. It is awful. It's it like is cinnamon. It probably has cut up a lot of my internal organs. Are they still there? I think so. Okay. I hope so. Any bad nights? Um... Yeah, I don't remember them, though, so I don't know if I have a lot of detail to talk to you about on it. But yeah, lots of bad nights, but I think more good nights than bad nights. Okay, so do you think the the Charlotte drinking scene is getting any better Um, from what you're seeing out there? You said you like to follow one particular bartender, but there are tons of places to go. So is is Charlotte 
What does is, what is Charlotte drinking scene look like to you? Charlotte is trying to get to that New York level. I think everyone wants to open the next nightclub. They want to make the craziest cocktails. But sometimes the simplest cocktails are the best cocktails. And I think, um, you know, putting smoke and mirrors, no pun intended, with some of these cocktails coming out of smoke and mirror case glasses. You know, I think the presentation's everything. Um, but I don't know. I think we're getting there. I think that there's more appreciation to the type of liquor that goes right. into it, which I'm a huge fan of is... Quality over quantity. You know, I'll take a few good shots versus, you know, 10, you know, not so good shots. Okay. So day drinking, night drinking, anytime, Both. anytime of the day anytime, drinking? Anytime. Anytime of the day drinking. As long as it's good drinks and good company. If you're day drinking and night drinking and you don't have company around, then... Sounds like... You've got an issue. Right. I mean, I said it. Is it really? Because I've done some some day drinking by myself. Yeah, but were you like enjoying like music or a TV show, or were you just sitting at your table contemplating life and taking one sip at a time? Probably both. Okay, I have some tissues for your issue. Mm. <laughs> creepy laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Insert creepy Insert laugh. Insert creepy laugh. Okay. I don't know. I think I think as long as you're in a good place when you're doing it, that's okay. I've I've had my share of red wine. Uh, Usually post-opera, I'll come home and Brent's already asleep, so I'll just sit on the stool on the counter with some red wine and some cheese from the fridge, and I'll just be by myself. That sounds like a good night. Yeah, it is a great night. Where are you from? Uh, originally, I'm from Palm Beach, Florida, more specifically Jupiter. Tiger Woods. Yes. That's the only thing, I, that's the only, that's the only thing that popped into my mind, Not Tiger like Woods. Celine Dion, um, Burt Reynolds, as you solely oh, we're gonna get to the earlier. Burt story. The Burt story, yeah. Give me some more celebs. Cause. Um, well, you got Celine Dion, you got Tiger, I mean, pretty much everybody on the golf uh, team pretty much lives there. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I only had those two good ones I wasn't expecting for another uh, ask. A bunch of reality stars mm-hmm. have retired there. Um, a lot of old money. Um, so you have, you know, your Vanderbilt's vacation there okay. they live there trump lives there the president you, you, uh, could, you could have kept that out yeah well i, I was running out of ideas i was like i'm <laughs> making up names the, the belvedere's the ciroc's the kettle one family there you, you know go. i was gonna start listing off what's on your shelf stop <laughs> seeing if you could pay attention so you brought up burt reynolds yes and and for a lot of younger folk who might be listening they may not know burt Smoking oh, the Bandit. No, gosh, the good stuff. Actually, he has a new movie out called like. Duh, wait, what? He has a new movie out. Something called I saw it on Netflix. It's like a. Bert's got a new movie out. Yeah, it's Shout like out to Bert want, Reynolds, man. Wanna be celeb or like used to be celebrity. I don't know. I might. I'll try to find out what that movie is. So tell us your Bert Reynolds story. Uh, yes. So growing up, so my mother uh, still works there, but it's now not called Burt Reynolds uh, Ranch anymore. But when I was younger, my mom used to work at the Burt Reynolds Ranch and she oversaw all of their uh, horse, um, all their like horse uh, vet tech supplies. Mm-hmm. She used to help out with the horses. She ran the feed store, um, anything equestrian related. That was basically her go to. But it was the Burt Reynolds Ranch, but it was also um, running as a sound studio at the same time. Right. So he had the set of striptease was there. Um, a couple other movies, Smokey and the Bandit had a few shots there. The original gas station was there. So the. This is real deal. Yeah, it was amazing. There was big waterfalls when you would drive in and, you know, you had his father still lived on the property. They had a petting zoo. So as a kid, the bus would drop me off right outside the studio and I'd be like, bye y'all. And I'd walk in and I'd jump on the tour bus that had a bunch of, you know, out of state people coming in to tour the lot. And I'd go see my mom and hang out with the horses and look at the stuffed bear statues and get licorice from the gift shop. 
So stuffed bear. There's that famous stuff that that famous stunt bear. Stu- he was in all the, like the old western movies. Okay. And they stuffed him for forever memorabilia, and he was right there over my licorice. Nice. Just guarding it, and I was like, "You can't do nothing, bear." So did Bert always have that mustache? Yes. Because that mustache was thick, man. He's I mean, always he had mustache. And always had the mustache. Um, he he was never really there. I mean. The ranch was always great until him and Lonnie got the divorce. And then, you know, as with most divorces, everything got split. But for celebrity divorces, everything got split, divided, and up in flames. Nice. So so how did you get to Charlotte? Yeah, so uh, I met Brent in college um, in Dallas, Texas, at a business competition team uh, thing where we competed against each other. And um, I gave him a bunch of attitude to remember me by. And we did long distance for like three years. You don't Iowa to Florida. No, oh no, no. It's all about you know fake it till you make it. Ah. Uh, but yeah, we did long distance from Iowa to Florida for like two years, uh, pre Skype for all the young youngins listening in here, pre texting. So you were writing letters, uh, emails. We had school email accounts. Okay. Um, it was like thirty cents to like text at that time. So every now and then I'd splurge, you know, on a late night text like, hey. This is worth it. This is worth it. This is totes I'm, worth I'm, it. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all in right now. Uh, and then he got. we both got recruited and we went to Minneapolis. So we both got jobs out of college that took us to uh, the Arctic Tundra. Lived there for two years. We can keep moving along a conversation. It was great. It was cold. Of course. And then he got a job in Charlotte. And thus born the career. Okay. And so... In Charlotte, you work for Opera Carolina. Yep. I actually sang with them professionally first. Um, I was working over at Harris Teeter uh, okay. previous, doing all their digital marketing and app development. Okay. And you go by the name, the marketing... Marketing Mezzo. Which yes. is... I mean, it's it's a combination of both. It's the marketing side, the business side, as well as my voice part is Mezzo Soprano. So would you sing for us? Absolutely not. Wow. <clears throat> I, can, I, I used to be able to sing. Yeah. Just no. a little bit. It's like when you first meet an opera singer, it's like dance, monkey, dance, yes. like, you know, or, or um, that, or you would have said, Hey, I've got a karaoke track on like, let's go. It's one of the two. So let, we're going to talk about, you know, cause I'm huge, you know, with art, art engagement. I love it. Um, we want to see the arts continue to grow here in our community. <clears throat> and, um, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, but I got one of your girl tribe here too. Someone who works yes. over at the OC. Can, can I call it the OC? You can call it the OC. The OC. Um, Bianca is in the, Bianca Payton's in the house. What's up, B? She's waving. (laughs) But, so let's talk about, you know, marketing the opera to younger audiences, you know, because primarily, you know, and traditionally the audience for opera is older, white, um, and especially here in Charlotte. So what are you guys doing to try to get, you know, younger folk to come to the opera? Yeah. And it's interesting to even hear it from you know, someone who does come to the opera that it's older and white and, you know, blue haired. Oh, I see it. Because it's, it's changing. It's a slow change, but that's, it's not that, it's not just that you see it, but it's the stigma that surrounds opera. Correct. And I think that's the first, yeah. And that's the first challenge that you have to kind of take on is not so much to compete, but you want to figure out how you can collaborate and not just collaborate with other arts organizations, but for organizations that are not related to the arts at all. I think that's really what you have to do. And what we've done here is 
as soon as I got in there, I saw exactly what you saw. And I was like, this is not, I mean, I enjoy opera. Every time I bring my friends there, we enjoy it. So it's meeting people in the middle. It's finding out what they like to do and bringing opera to that art form. So if you like to drink, mm-hmm. we're going to have an opera cocktail in Charlotte's Hottest Bars. Right. And we're going to use that as a way of getting people to consider it. Consideration is the first step to anything mm-hmm. is that's the biggest problem is people don't even, A, they don't know we're in Charlotte, or B, they don't even consider opera as an alternative. It is the best date but ever. Why, but why do you think that is? I mean, I know for me, you know, oh. I kind of, growing up in New York, you mm-hmm. know, opera, the arts, you know, those were kind of big. But in Charlotte, why haven't parents who have gone, your season ticket holders, mm-hmm. are they not passing that tradition on to their children? Or what I think you- they try to pass the tradition on. I think we're just so overstimulated in Charlotte. There's so much going on on a given night, a given hour, that you can easily just find something else to take you away from opera. And I think that what people are missing out on is that opera is not just an entertainment option, it's an experience. Right. When you go there, you are li- you are literally just transcended into another dimension. You leave full. You do, absolutely. You go into this new world art form. There is no amplification. There's mm-hmm. no microphones. What you're hearing from your seat is what's coming out of that person's mouth on that stage at that moment, which to me makes it the most authentic art form because there is no dubbing this. I mean, what you see is what you get. If right. you know, we last year we had a entire light fixture fall in the middle of the stage during the show. Not one performer flinched. You just keep going. They just kept kept going, and everybody was like, "How dramatic was that light scene?" And it was I'm perfect. like, "Oh yeah, it was, it was super dramatic, timed effectively." <laughs> Um, and that's really what it is. I think it's it's really getting opera out in front of those people and meeting them where they're doing their day to day. So 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 how do you get you know a 21 year old, a 24 year old to say you know what I want to go, and and I'm going to stay through the entire show because you know even in my experience there are times and I love it but yeah. I'll leave right after intermission if it starts too late you know I might be on I mean lights are down yeah. especially what kind of show it could be where you know if if it's if it's one of those shows where it's heavy on the emotion yeah. you're draining me early. And I'm like, man, I got, you know, I'm tired. Like, how many more people can you kill off? Exactly. This is like Game of Thrones. So, which is a whole other conversation. <laughs> but how do you get that 25-year-old to go on a date night? Yeah. You know, to, to accept, like, hey, this is a great place to go. This is a great opportunity. You yeah. know, dinner. Is it dinner before? Is it drinks after? You know, what does it look like? Yeah, I think you have to sell the sex that is the opera. I mean, that really is what you have to do with our marketing is it's selling the sex. It really is. It's it's within our marketing and our messaging and our collateral. We have to show people what they are to expect on stage. Um, and a lot of that has been putting that material in front of people at the right time. So why would you consider opera as a date night? Have You kind of have to challenge that person. Have they ever considered opera? Like, let me tell you about this. How many girls get hit on every night when they go out and they're like, hey, I'm going to take you to a bar or, hey, I'm going to take you to dinner? Guy comes up and says, hey, girl, I'm gonna, you want to go to an opera? She should be ready to go. Immediately, you're just like, what? Like, what, like, time? what time are you picking me up? It's different. It's sexy. It's different. It's something that's out of the box. And I think when we're getting in front of those 21-year-olds and 25-year-olds that are at a bar, they're having an opera cocktail, or they order an opera beer, or they see a pop-up opera at Earl's, they're like, okay, like, maybe I'll try this. And again, it's getting them to the right opera. Because if I get you to a dramatic draining opera as your first opera, you'll never come back. And that's completely acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I think also taking opera in chunks, you know, if you do get drained, but you enjoyed the opera, like I hate to say it, but leave, like make sure your opera experience is everything you want it to be. And I tell friends all the time, like, Hey, this is going to be a long opera, but I'm in the first act. So you should at least stay to the first act. And nine times out of 10, they save the whole thing. Cause the they're like, thing. we're not going like, this is good. But 
that was the, you know, the sinker was to say, hey, just stay till act one. Then I'm done. It's only an hour. But then they end up staying for the rest. So like, this is awesome. I mean, even down to getting dressed up, mm-hmm. I, you know, I look around, I, you know, you look at the audience and especially for opening night, oh, I, yeah. I think that is an, a perfect opportunity to, you know, put on a tuxedo, a suit. A dress. And you don't get to get dressed. Talking about the conversation about Charlotte's nightlife and bar scene, you don't get to dress up anymore. I think the less clothing is more what people go towards in Charlotte than dressing up. But I think everyone likes that opportunity to dress up. I mean, people used to dress up to go on airplanes back in the day. I mean, Mad Men, like, look at that. I mean, I think we were all born in the wrong era. (laughs) That's why we're all here together tonight. Exactly. So what does successful engagement look like to you? So when you, you talk about partnerships, collaborations, mm-hmm. you know, what does that look like to you and, and how do you know when it's working? Yeah, for me, it's uh, word of mouth and exposure. You know, we may not sell an entire opera because of a collaboration, but when I hear people talking about opera as an option or if I see Opera Carolina trending on you know, Instagram, where I see people posting photos in front of the Blumenthal, you know, that to me is success defined because I just want people to talk about it. I want people to put it into everyday conversations. Um, and I feel that we've done that with our Tweet Seeds program. We've done that with... Well, talk, talk about that right yeah. there. Don't, don't just skip over that. Yeah, talk about the Tweet Seeds. Uh, for sure. Um, so Tweet Seeds honestly started when we, you know, the... Art critics, you know, reviews, opera reviews, people just aren't in that industry anymore. You know, they're not getting into sitting down, reviewing an opera, um, interviewing the stars. You know, it's just, they're just going away. Arts and culture, you know, critics are just going away. So, um, and I also kind of thought, too, is how do people digest their media? How do people talk about movies, music? And they look to their friends for it. People aren't going like they used to to go to billboards and see who's who's the top of the billboards. Like, that's who I'm going to download. You know, we're not, you know, back in the day we had to like, you know, you had your Napster account. So you had to like fill it up with only the best. Um, so looking at it now is how do people hear that? You know, if something wins an Oscar, I always bring up the um, example of the Reverend. The It won an Oscar. But right. my mom's like, you ain't going to like this movie. And I'm like, all right. Well, she said I'm not going to like it, so I'm not going to watch it. And that's how people digest their media. So putting together Tweet Seats programs, we put we bring together Charlotte's influencers, brightest, you know, who have a voice, who have a reach in Charlotte. Um, and not just so much with their career, but just within their friend group. And there's I have one girl. I have my one my one girlfriend. She is huge in her, you know, sorority world. And she's not an influencer. She has an agency job, but she comes to Tweet Seats and she talks about it and she gets a rally of her, you know, 200 plus closest girlfriends to come to the opera. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows them in real time what they're seeing. Um, it's a giffy war. It's craziness. Um, everybody is, you know, they're interpreting opera how they would interpret, you know, looking at a movie or, a, you know, music on Instagram. So how did you have to sell that? Because, you know, traditionally in the opera, the lights are low, you know, folk are quiet yeah um and here you have people i'm assuming they're taking well i've seen some pictures on twitter like while yeah. the show is going it is you know, it's our final is- dress rehearsal so it's the full run production um give or take a few times that maestro may stop and throw a baton um but it's it's the final dress rehearsal so we have all the students um it's student night um so all the charlotte mecklenburg county school district mm-hmm. they bring their students and we throw our tweet seaters up into the mezzanine so they're not distracting with lights and we let them go you know, I don't, there's the only type of warning they get is, you know, how low, no flash, you know, how low their phone can be. But, you know, I, I do understand that opening the floodgates, we could potentially get someone that's like, this sucks. Right. But you know what? I'd rather them say that 
and the truth be out there and not get people who buy opera tickets and say, this sucks. Because if you bought an opera ticket, went to the opera, committed that two and a half hours, and then you go and tell people how bad it was, you know, that's that to me is worse than, you know. And I also know all their Instagram accounts, so, you know, so you can I could find them. control them mm-hmm. at any given time. I'd be like, yo, Andy, that was not cool. <laughs> so when you, when you talk about something like, like Tweet Seats, mm-hmm. And and you've got younger folk in there, and I think that's that's like a twenty first generation kind oh, yeah. of engagement. Um, what else is out there? You know, once you once you get past the social media, mm-hmm. how else can you bring folk in? Yeah, I think it's meet, like going back again, kind of um, talking about meeting them in the middle. I think a lot of our success has been with these new generational operas. You know, the one the reason opera has this stigma around it is is because opera didn't want to change since the 18th century. They'd refused to change with time. Music evolved over time. What you hear in rock music and rap and trap and everything has evolved just by adding another, you know, letter to it. It's it all comes from that classical age that you listen to those beats, those chords, those melodies, everything originates from the 18th century, but opera was so stuck in their ways that they weren't going to originate until about 20 years ago when people started writing new operas. If you ask, um, I was talking to the composer, um, Douglas Tappan of I dream that's coming to Charlotte in May. Um, I said, what makes opera an opera? And he goes, it depends on who you ask, you know, It's just like saying what makes a Broadway. Traditionally, what makes an opera an opera is because there's classical singers. But if you go back and look at Oklahoma or Annie Get Your Gun or, you know, some of these classical Broadways from back in the day, they're all classical singers. But because opera never moved with the time, they just got stuck as opera. Mm-hmm. And so what I think to do is bring these new works to Charlotte. Um, this year, last year we had the Tinder opera and we brought it to three breweries and it was a hit and it was all about in so English. So Tinder like the app? Tinder swipe left or swipe right. And it was 45 minutes um, paired with a few other classical songs. We had it at D9 Brewery up in Cornelius and it was amazing. Sold out. Um, and the tickets were only $5. So if it didn't sell out, I would have questioned my marketing ability. Um, but you know, this year we're bringing, I dream it's in English. And, you, and, I, and I want, I heard you kind of, you know, preface that a little bit before, but talk about that. Because never not working. Never not working. Um, <laughs> because we want, because I think that to me is one of those, those efforts oh, yeah. to really galvanize a, a different segment of Charlotte and particularly African American, oh, yeah. um, that, you know, an audience that probably doesn't think too much about opera, mm-hmm. but but here we have something that could possibly get them involved, and not just with the performance piece, but with dialogue and conversation. Yes, that's the best part about what I Dream is doing is, and I think Charlotte needs more dialogue and more safe spaces to just talk about real issues and not these filtered ones. Um, that's what we try to do with changing, you know, faces of Charlotte. And, you know, I think people need to create more dialogue and discussion around these because an opera as inspirational and meaningful and in my opinion, momentous as I dream needs to have discussion and dialogue around it. it. People need to understand that it's not just a performance that's going to go on and become the next Porgy and Bess or the next cats. Like this is a learning opera an educational opera per se because it's it's interesting we're starting to collect conversations and reactions from people that are attending the previews and the dialogues and especially with the younger kids is how how what what is the legacy that martin luther king has on their lives now for us we you know we either had grandparents or friends of our grandparents or parents that had a direct impact on it it affected our lives everybody everybody had some type of tie but these children now 
all they're reading is what's in the textbook. And what's in the textbook is so defined that they're not truly understanding the struggle that lied within that community. A lot of it's diluted throughout history. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's the game of telephone. Exactly. You know, someone changes the book, they, they, they tweak a word, they tweak a this, and before they know it, you know, you tweak the whole story and it's mm-hmm. not the same. So mm-hmm. I Dream is, you know, it's in the, commem- this year is the commemoration of the assassination. Right. And it's no better time to have these conversations. And these dialogues are allowing us to play the music then talk to them about why this music sounds the way it does. Why are these words the way they are written? And what does this mean for Charlotte? Right. And I say Charlotte because it is also no better time than to have this conversation with our community. Especially after 2016. We had a hell of a year. And <laughs> I think it was great. I think it was the door opening to people seeing what's really truly happening in their community. And for me, you know, this is my fifth year, so I'm going to consider myself a, a baby charlatan. Uh, but I knew people that I watched on TV. Uh, I was also down there and driving. So that part was scary because I didn't know those people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know any of you. But when I got home, I watched it and I'm like, there, those are my friends. Like these are, and part of me was like, I should be there. And and that's good. Like you, you want that, you want that feeling when people are making a movement and they're making that voice. And that's what we're doing with opera. We're bringing these kinds of dialogues and previews and conversations to, to allow people to see themselves in the opera, a part of the opera and at the opera. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think if you're going to be a part of, you know, making a change in Charlotte and you're sitting at these dialogues and then you are going to the opera, there's more personal tie into that. Um, and I think that's another thing too. I think as millennials for that younger generation, you want to be a part of a movement. So okay. I know that was like deep and heavy. No, nah, that's, that's what we want. That's, that's what we're doing. Again, we're, we are crafting real conversation here. Um, and I want to join, I want to have um, one of your good friends, another one of your girl tribe, to join this conversation. Um, you she's can't in, sit with us. She's, <laughs> hashtag you can't sit with us. Hashtag that's us fine. too. Hashtag oh, yeah. you too. I'll um, sit over here by myself. But, you know, she's the new EIC, the editor-in-chief Woo! of Carolina Bride magazine, Erin. Madre, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, doctor? Oh, I appreciate it. Hey, s- salute. <laughs> I know. So, we're, so we're underqualified you, for this. <laughs> so you, like, you guys are good friends. And, and I know, um, you know, Aaron, you and I had a, a, a brief conversation about some of the tra- non-traditional partnerships you guys are doing with Opera Carolina. Mm-hmm. So you can just jump into that real quick. Well, yeah, absolutely. Kind of going along with what Megan's saying about, you know, trying to change um, existing relationships and existing, you know, stereotypes in her case about opera and arts. Um, you know, I've inherited Carolina Bride, which, you know, has been in Charlotte for over 25 years. Um, but you know, it's been predominantly like very Southern focused weddings, big poofy white dresses, um, everything monogrammed, you know, that kind of thing. So that doesn't really speak to what's going on these days and people's different personalities and interests. So we are, starting with my new regime, which is just a word I like to say, regime. Regime um, change. Regime mm-hmm. change. Yes. You know, just trying to change it up a little bit and kind of, um, you know, bring a different approach to it. And one of those ways was, um, you know, I really love the arts. And actually, um, you know, Megan uh, was allowed me multiple times to be a member of Tweet Seats. Yes, we met through opera. 
Yes, doing all the yes, we did meet through. Well, we were friends. We were friends. We were, friends. We were uh, social media friends. We right. followed each other on Twitter for like two years. It's and crazy how that We happens, always man. commented on each other's stuff, and then Giphy Wars would come up, and I'm like, "Who's this chick? Like, you're my spirit animal." <laughs> and then uh, Allie Frazier brought you to an opera, mm-hmm. and then you introduced yourself. I'm like, "I know who you are." I was like, "Remember that Giphy dance thing? Like, that was me." The hey, it was so like, good. And Aaron, so good. Aaron's deep in hip hop too. Yeah. She, she trolled like me that. one night with some Nas lyrics. I did, I did. And uh, we related it back to my grandma, which again, you know, you can you, you can find commonality in anything, even a lyric. Um, but yeah, with that, just, you know, trying to do something different is, um, you know, had an idea for a recent photo shoot um, that we're doing where, you know, we do these beautiful sceneries for weddings, but what if we just did a really fashion-forward photo shoot, not a white dress in sight, and did it as a way to tie into the arts community of right. Charlotte? So, of course, I was like, who do I know who has crazy ideas and would probably like some of my crazy ideas? right here. Yes, immediately. Crazier the better. I was like, "Uh, I got this idea that's like kind of crazy, kind of amazing. Um, And she was able to help me work it out. I was like, don't um, worry about it. We got this. You're like, yeah, but what about the... No, don't worry. I got it. As soon as I told her. So we actually got um, beautiful dresses, um, two models, and we were able, when uh, their last opera that was there was Rigoletto, Mm -hmm. um, we were able to go on stage at the Blumenthal and use props and use settings. Um, We took pictures in the theater. We took pictures outside of the theater in like the Rotunda area. And just, It it was so awesome. And the pictures came back and I'm like, you know, this is just another way of using a, a vehicle that, um, you know, with, with the magazine and with our, our, we'll put it on Instagram and socials and on our website of showcasing that there's so much more to Charlotte than I think a lot of people realize. So why didn't anyone else think of that? I mean, you know, and the two of you are very brilliant. Thank you. And I get Thank that. You. But But why didn't anyone else think of these you know, these, these non-traditional collaborations. I think that's, it's the world we're in right now. I think we're just traditional, just it's status quo. Yeah, it really is. I think how it's always been, you have to, and it's not even thinking outside the box. I always say you have to define the box that you were meant to think outside of because everyone's like, Mm -hmm. think outside of the box. You're like, yeah, but what is that going to, I mean, I could think outside of the box and come up with something that's not, you know, I mean, you think of it, Carolina Bride and Opera Carolina have zero, other than the commonality of Carolina and their name, have nothing in common. Common, And that is what I love to do is find ways to market people's products and services through ways that have nothing to do with their core fundamentals. And that's, and I mean, that's what I do with my LLC and I have other clients that we do it too. We're working with a client right now with, um, what you know we're working with water and like you know how like cleaning purifying cleaning water and the the actual what's happening right now in all the basins it's hard to find i challenge anybody to go out if you were someone to say go find clean water well go back to flint michigan yeah like, like where are you gonna go like, but you know how, how are you able to market something as simple as pure water through other way you know and that's what we that's what i challenge people to do and i challenge myself is this was a great task because i was like my best friend just got a job at Carolina Bread. The first thing I thought before she even thought of her crazy idea, I'm like, how can I use this to my advantage? <laughs> like, <laughs> you I saw those wheels turning. And I was like, she's already know, like going to talk about. I was like, how can I use can this? Do? Like, yes. but you know, but you have to. And I think when you have great friendships and great relationships, people don't feel like they're being used. They're like, okay, because then the second I say something, and her brain goes, how can we use Opera Carolina to up our brand? Right. And I think that yeah, exactly. Because I mean, the next show you guys are having is the Marriage of Figaro. So, ding, ding, ding. I mean, Mar- it's in, it's it's in there. It's in there. It's in there. And as you know, but 
you know, again, it, it's, it's just, you know, not being afraid to take chances, take, take risks. And, you know, my background, um, is marketing and PR as well. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is why we bounce so many great yeah. ideas off of each other is just knowing, you know, who are we going after, but also how are we going to push them to the next level? And you can't yeah. keep everything the same as it's always. You been. can't see change without challenge. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's companies get lazy and they just get comfortable and they just sit and they just, you know, they, and they wonder why nothing, they wonder happening. why nothing's right. happening or they say, Oh, well, we're still having profits and we're, people still know who we are, and but eventually, fine. you know, we're going to run your ass over. Oh yeah. I mean, you see it right now. Like I was talking to someone. So, um, in another life, still current life, cause I still do freelance writing. I do a lot of food and beverage writing okay. and you see that with, I think a lot of restaurants in Charlotte mm -hmm. Yes, or just anywhere where it's like, you know, we've been, we've been around for 15 years. We've served this community. We've served this area of town. We've always had these dedicated patrons, but then all of a sudden the next big thing opens up and, and everybody's there's over this there going on and mm -hmm. everything's going on. And it's like, then all of a sudden it's the scramble of how yeah. to get everybody back. Whereas if you're staying ahead of it and always trying to at least push the envelope a little bit depending oh, yeah. on who you work with and what's going on. And that's on. why the whole mixology trend mm -hmm. has come into play yes. and this, this showcase. And, you know, I jokingly say, you know, anywhere Larry Suggs is bartending or, you know, Amanda Britton. But I mean, honestly, I know that if wherever they are, you're there's gonna go, you're going to get quality. Right. I mean, other than the fact that they're both my friends, the reason I said them is because you, Bob Peters, I mean, you, mm -hmm. you, you follow these mixologists and you, you see their creations on, you know, Instagram and social media because you want quality. You want a good experience with your cocktail because honestly, when you get to be in your thirties or later, you're just done just drinking to drink. You're like, you know, you need you more dance, you need dance kind of, <laughs> you know, you do need a little more. We're, we're past aristocrat days. Yeah. So, so one of my, I guess one of my observances <laughs> lately with, with Charlotte, um, and, and you're talking about, you know, you know, restaurants, places open up is that there really hasn't been an attention to food i think everything is you know they want the cocktails to look amazing mm -hmm. they'll, they'll put them on fire smoke it up people are um, still a little finicky with food but, but people I think want the ig finicky. picture better mm -hmm. than anything so it's a lot of ambiance mm -hmm. and a lot of drinks with these yeah. small plates i mean that's just maybe it's just me yeah the tapas movement yeah the tapas but i think you're right where it's um you know the the, the food i think they sometimes it's the instagram photo yes but it's plated what's very plated lovely. exactly but i would rather have the most horrendous un Instagrammable burger, yeah. food, uh, you know, plate, and it turns out to be the best meal I've had in a really long time. What's what's your go-to cocktail? I mean, so you know, this is a drinking show, and you you are drinking. I am. So drinking. what are what are you drinking now? But what's your, what's your go-to cocktail? I'm currently enjoying a lovely glass of bourbon. Mm -hmm. um, my go-to cocktail, um, I do enjoy a good French seventy-five. Um, I am a liquor girl, but I also love my bubbles, so that's kind of the best of both worlds. Um, I am a pretty big fan of gin. Um, so I hate gin. I love I gin. See that if you were wondering too, cause you didn't ask why I chose the French 52 is because my besties is French 57 and this is the mocktail version of her drink, favorite drink. <laughs> You're going to hug now? No. We might hold um, hands under the table. I was, I was wondering. Yeah, is that, yeah, that yeah, happening? Hands on the table. It happens sometimes. Yeah, I had some bad... Gin just gave me bad experiences. Oh, so you can... So. Gin, yeah, champagne. No. Gin, champagne, and bourbon um, are kind of my go-tos, which is why, um, kind of funny, uh, we had an event um, recently at Wolfgang Puck's at WP, and you're usually only allowed to have one signature cocktail, but... Um, I was having two and then I got there and they ended up giving me my third one. So I had a gin drink, a bourbon drink and a bubbly drink. So yeah. live your best life. Those are YOLO. YOLO. And, and where are you from, Aaron? I'm from Virginia originally. So Virginia and Florida. Yeah. It's for lovers regardless where you are. 
I just like to say that we actually have that as our tagline now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, we're legit. Virginia is for lovers. Both of you like sports? It depends on the sport. Favorite sport. What's the favorite sport? To watch or to play? Either one. I'll kill you at volleyball. Um, I would love to say curling. Well, you are kind of tall. I've noticed that. I I was, you know, anytime I stand next to you, I'm like, is she really this tall? Yeah, it was, uh, I actually played volleyball all through middle school, high school, a little bit college rec. uh, But I remember in high school, the basketball coach was like stalking our team because for whatever reason, that year was the year of tall ladies in high school. And so... You know, it, when in off season, you know, you either do club volleyball or you do another sport. Okay. And he was like, "We really need to get you to do vo- basketball." And he was really the the coach was really nice, and he was like, "And I couldn't do it the first year, and the next year, he's like, we re- your hand eye coordination, like you're going to be a pro at basketball." I'm like, "Yeah." So he had me come to not even tryouts. The guy thought I was that good that he I went to like their final round cut to where I would be playing for the first time. Really. And I, well, you had a couple of buys, like first round buys. Yeah, like you didn't the, even have to play. He was just like, "This girl has got it." <laughs> and I remember just throwing the ball like a baseball, and like just throwing it up, hoping it would like. I mean, it was like watching a giraffe play soccer. It was, it was the most awkward thing ever. And he was like, he pulled me off, and he's like, Time "You've got club volleyball though, right? Coming up." I'm like, "Yeah, if you want me to do basketball, no, like, well, like, he's no, like, no, no, we, no, go, we, we go, we go, we go, we go, we go, we go." Other, I guess watching like extreme sports. I like watching extreme sports. That stuff's awesome. X Games. Um, I am. I don't watch it on TV, but I love being in person at a basketball game. I love the excitement, everything that goes with it. But I am a college football gal. Favorite team? Virginia Tech, of course. Okay. Hokies. Sorry, that's where I went. Of course. That's where I went. Got to cheer on the Hokies. Yeah, we watch we watch college. Brent's college football, so we yeah. watch that in our house. We don't really... But I like any sports. I like live sports entertainment. Like, right. there's live something... sports. I can't watch baseball on TV to save my life, but I will go to, you know, a oh, night's game any day. Because you get the hot dog and the beer and, like... Again, it's all about the food. Yes. You'll get me at a baseball food. game if you have... Really good food. And then you start well, baseball like, stadiums usually have the best food. Yeah. Oh, for sure. The well, Walking Taco here, was born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we got the the Queen City Q at the studio, so you can go get like right. pulled well, pork. I, I love it. I don't need people to put me on a jumbo can with pork in my mouth. Or the Kiss Cam. Yeah. And I'm usually by myself. See, but I'm totally <laughs> confident with myself. I'm like, if you want to show me eating this, I'm totally fine with it, and I will smile. So speaking of food, can either you cook? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I said that very confidently. Uh, I am very confident. I can cook. <laughs> I Being an only cook, child. I can cook, but I do so much food writing that I never get the chance to go because I go to events and yeah. eat. I cook for you. You did cook for me. So what did you make her? Uh, this sounds like a date. Am I saying you guys are, What's going on? I think I made soup. You made me that lovely soup. Yes, it was soup. It was like, yeah. and then we had Actually, like, I made the soup for Brent, uh, and then I told Aaron. I was like, Aaron, you should come. This soup smells really good. And then I was like, stay for dinner. And then it was Brent, Aaron, and I at the dinner table. Brent was there at our it date. It was during the holidays. We even watched, like, was Elf? Oh, yeah. We were watching yeah. Christmas movies. We were That's Christmas what it was. Movies, yes. and we had what kind of soup, soup was it, though? It was a potato. It was, like it was potato cheesy crock pot deliciousness. I just remember all the, like, the great Full cheese. name. There's not an acronym the, for it. It's just potato um, crock pot, pot cheesy, cheesy amazingness, goodness. goodness. Sex in a pot. There you go. Right there. <laughs> Bam. Third time we've used sex on your podcast. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Listen, that's what happens. She said it. Every Drinking, time she was sex, it all like, kind of goes hand in hand. It all kind of goes that together. Yeah, yeah. It, all, it all rolls into the crock pot. Yes. Uh, no, cooking. I think being an only child, like I always wanted to cook for someone. <laughs> so like I just made sure that I was a good cook. Like that was going to be one of my selling points for mm-hmm. meeting men in my life. Like I have to cook. 
And then I spoiled Brent. Now I'm like, I don't want to cook anymore. See, and I look at it like I love cooking, and I don't get to do it very often because, like I said, I'm I'm sometimes going out to places, and I don't know. But sometimes every once in a while, I'll be like, I really want like a good steak and like mashed potatoes, and just like have like a day of cooking, and then I'll look at my dog and I'll give him a little bit because you know you can't really eat alone. No. So so for (laughs) so folk trying to get to where you two are, you know, I, I look at you and I say, you know, these two women are successful; they're doing their thing. Give some tips on how people can get to where you guys got to. Ladies first. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is um, don't be afraid to ask. You know, like I – and don't be afraid to take chances. So like I said, my background is is marketing and PR. Um, my last um, job before kind of going out on my own, um, in addition to being freelance writer, editor of Carolina Bride, I do own my own PR and marketing company. Um, so I have clients that I work with. Um, but uh, before that, I was a marketing director at a law firm for five years mm. and, you know, loved it. But um, – you know, just ready for something more. And I remembered my passion for writing and I literally just started reaching out to people, you know, read a couple articles in the Charlotte Observer, reached out to the editor at time, the features editor at the time. And was like, I want to get back into writing. Here's some things I wrote in college. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I get back into this? And, you know, then just worked my way up, you know, with Charlotte magazine, got to do some fact checking, you know, C5. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is, Take risk, have incredible mentors, and then never be afraid to ask somebody if there's something more you want to do. That sounds yeah. I mean, Megan. honestly, everything she said, but to even tap onto it is is be unapologetic in everything you do because everything it was life. the mm-hmm. same. It was the same struggle as I was. You know, when I first got my you know job out of college, I was miserable. I hated it. It was awful. It was a bad work environment. It was crazy hours. It made great money for a 23 year old, but is money really everything? And when you're in a new place and you're snowed in all the time, like, you know, what does that do? And I think finding your passion in everything you do, it doesn't mean I have to find opera. I mean, I'm just really lucky that this is my job now, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't looking for opera in everything I did. I was looking for something that I wanted to be a part of. So, you know, I loved being in the Mm -hmm. event space and the performances. So working for Miss USA and out in, um, with future productions and looking at that world and watching girls dreams come true. I mean, that's not the first thing you think of when you think of pageants, but that's what, that's where I found the passion was these girls lives are about to change for the rest of their lives. And I was tearing up watching them then going Mm -hmm. to a hearing aid manufacturing company of which, where do you find a passion? They were fitting people in third world countries with hearing aids, bringing in all the celebrities, all the voices. And every time I developed a marketing campaign for an audiologist or a hearing aid, you know, provider, I was selling somebody's ability to hear their children for the first time. And our clients used to send us that. And I think finding passion in everything you do is the key to finding success. It's not about the money. It's not about the perfect fit. It's about being unapologetic, asking for what you want. I was hitting people up on LinkedIn that Mm -hmm. I was just researching every single, I mean, I was making up emails like, okay, this guy's name is Keith. His last name's Cradle. It's either going to be K cradle at, at. or it's going to be Keith doc. Like, I mean, I was sending out, I would find out who the hiring manager was and I would make up every version. Well, that's determination. It's hustling. It's hustling. It's original. You have to. I mean, people use that word so nonchalantly now, but there is a a lot of words. There is a, there is an origin to it. I mean, you have to hustle and nonstop. I mean, like Aaron said, I mean, in addition to opera Carolina, you know, I have an LLC. Mm -hmm. I have clients outside of the opera. I'm also a performer. You know, you're, you just have to never stop looking for for 
that change that you want to see in the world. Never not working. Never, Never not, not working. working. You coined it first, but we'll take it too. <laughs> like we're going to make it a t-shirt. Yes. We, we need to. I think yeah. a Crafted with Cradle t-shirt, Never Not Working, is, I'd rather. Well, Jamika's over there I listening. Like, I, I think know, she, I she's like already yeah. on to that. Yeah. Brand it. Hashtag. So, yeah. Trademark it. So for the two of you, um, for your respective, you know, agencies, organizations, your jobs that you have, what do you see for the next five years? For ourselves or the future? For the actual organization. And if you're if you're there in five <laughs> years, what would you like to see? So for Opera Carolina, what does that look like five years from now? Yeah, if I, I see no I see us taking more risks. I I would love to see our company have such an impact on the Charlotte community that we no longer feel we have to have the same warhorse operas over and over again just to appease the public. Mm. That we can have more I dream more Martin Luther King type operas, more cutting edge. I would love to, you know, there's some really dope operas out there. And I use that word sparingly with opera in the same sentence, but there really are some crazy operas. And I would love to see those come to Charlotte because Charlotte cries. They want those traviatas, those Madame Butterflies, those Boans. The classics. They want Mm -hmm. the classics. And I think that's great. And I'm all, I mean, I love the classics. I grew up on that, but I also think that, I would I would love to see Charlotte open their mind to, to more else. edgy operas. Okay. Ooh, I'd love that too. So for Carolina Bride Magazine, mm-hmm. now that you've got the helm, at the helm, it's on you. This <laughs> no on pressure. Me. All no pressure. you, no pressure. <laughs> the way I like it. Um, no, I mean I love that. I love all the pressure. Um, you know, I think in the next five years, I want to grow it into a publication that is known for just more than weddings. I mean, of course, that's going to be it. I want it to have interesting content. I want it to feature people of different backgrounds, different stories. I want it to have actual articles and really avant-garde editorial, you know, uh, f- uh, photo sessions. Um, I'd like to see it become bigger where it's um, bigger in North and South Carolina. And then I'd love to take what we learn from that and be able to bring it to other markets um, and kind of have a formula that we can use for it and make it um, just kind of change the wedding magazine, wedding industry um, in general. And then for myself, uh, just working towards world domination. Man, (laughs) that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Taking over the entire fucking world. Yeah, right. Charlotte's just a stepping stone. Yes, it is. Okay. So I want to thank you both um, for being here. You know, imparting your wisdom, you know, to our audience. Um, this has been one of the best interviews that I've been a part of, you know, just in terms of what you all have imparted, mm. talked about, um, the amount of liquor you drank, Aaron. I'm still going. She's drinking and you're for still two. Going, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not she, pregnant, so we're not going <laughs> to make sure we no. the caveat that she's nope. not pregnant, so she's, she's not drinking for she's two. She's lenting. I am she not is lenting. lenting. But you have taken up the slack like a true I friend. Have. You are a real friend. I am a soldier. Yes, you I'm are the general. real MVP. Thank you. Thank Any, you. I would do it for you. I, I think I have probably. Have so what we're gonna do we're gonna make sure we get you back on, and then we're gonna have Megan take your slack. Oh, perfect! Yay! I think that sounds roll it back appropriate. It's great so, stories next time. Yay. So again, thank you both for being here, um, and thank you for everything that you're doing in our community. Um, we definitely salute you both. So remember, you can always catch Crafted with Cradle on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Remember to follow Crafted with Cradle on Facebook and Instagram at Crafted with Cradle, hashtag Crafted with Cradle. I always want to thank um, my super producers, Andy Go, Chuck Holiday, and Jamika Shemay Witten. 
I'm using the full government, girl. <laughs> you know how we do. I love that. Do the full thing. That's love right. It. So remember, um, you can catch us here every month. We're going to continue to craft and curate great conversations over cocktails. So ladies, if you just uh, raise your glasses. Of course. Yes. And we'll always end it with the just traditional cheers. 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 This is Damian Johnson with No Grease, and you're listening to Craft It with Cradle. Find Craft It with Cradle on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher Radio. Remember to like, favorite, subscribe, and review. Check out video of the show at dailymotion.com and sweet929.tv. Thank you.